Columbus Business First, and this is Crisis Management, our podcast about doing business amid the coronavirus pandemic. In this episode, I sat down with Cameron Mitchell. The founder and CEO of one of Columbus's most prominent businesses has had an active several months, not just working to keep his own business running, but also being a national advocate for an industry that is among the worst hit by the virus. Mitchell, a self-described optimist, hopes the worst is behind them, but concerns remain. He lays out the five big questions he still sees for his business in the restaurant industry as a whole. He praises the federal PPP program, which he credits for keeping his company alive. And he provides updates on several future projects, including the Bud Dairy Food Hall and a new Short North restaurant. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you for uh, for giving me some some time out of your schedule today. Um, you know, I, I, I know you have some developments uh, with the business, some new investments you've made, some some renovations you're doing, mm-hmm. but also, I, I, and, we'll, and we'll get to that. But I, I think the best place to start would just be kind of overall. You know, we're seven eight months into this now. How is CMR doing? Well, we're doing pretty well. I think you know, as I look at the restaurant industry across the country and. You know, one of the things we're blessed with is we have restaurants across the country. So mm-hmm. some places are, are better than others. So example being, if we had just one or two restaurants in the short north, we'd be not doing so well because mm-hmm. the short north is still trying to recover and so forth. Or, you know, Chicago, if all of our restaurants were located in Chicago, Chicago just got shut down again. Uh, we only have one restaurant in Chicago. So, and the south is doing better than some other. So we're doing okay in that regard. We're about 70% of pre-COVID sales, which uh, is enough to make a little bit of money, you know, not enough to really satisfy, you know, all of our obligations and our debt obligations and so forth, but we're, we're getting there slowly but surely. So, you know, I'm very nervous about the increase in the pandemic. You know, I tell people there's five questions that in my mind that are still remaining to give us uh, really a clear picture of what's happening and what to expect going forward. And then first and foremost, the election, uh, what's going to happen with that. And we're particularly concerned about election turmoil post-election and what that'll be like. Secondly is the, uh, the COVID pandemic itself, you know, again, record cases the past few days and, and, you know, Europe shutting down again, Germany, France, uh, will that come here to the States again? I don't know. I don't think the American people have the will to shut down again, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't know what happens. Do we get to 150,000 cases a day or what? I don't know. So we'll see on that. And the thirdly is COVID vaccines and therapeutics. And, you know, we hope to have some answers on that. And all these questions, I think we'll have answers on the next 90 days. And fourth is attitude towards our guests. Again, as patios close down, we'll guess and uh, be more inclined uh, when their only choice is to dine inside. Will they dine inside? And again, uh, on that note, you know, where we've lost our patios in the north, we head into a peak season in the south and in, in our Florida restaurants and Arizona and so forth. So again, that's a good offset, but we'll see. And, and then finally, as a stimulus package, will there be another stimulus package? I think everybody agrees there will be. It's it's to what extent and when is the remaining questions on that. But again, I feel like in the next 90 days, we should be able to have answers to all these questions and and be able to feel a little more like the ground is is not shifting so much under our feet and have a little more clarity. And we got a great gift yesterday from the governor. Obviously, it has to be 
you know, ratified Monday by the board, mm-hmm. but you know, that $5 billion coming out to companies like ours and other Ohio, all the Ohio businesses uh, will come in handy and was a nice little Christmas gift for us to, to help us uh, further sustain. So I, I applaud the governor on that and, and uh, his creative thinking. And meanwhile, we still have, you know, $7 billion, I think, after that left in the workers' comp fund, which is plenty to support, you know, injured Ohio workers. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's great to put that money to work and back in the hands of businesses to, to help them navigate here. So all in all, you know, still uh, quite a bit of uncertainty out there. But when I look back at the past seven months, we feel lucky to, to be here today and still standing and, and, uh, and our restaurants back open and, and so forth. So, uh, and not, and others in our industry are not so lucky, unfortunately. And, and, yeah. um, and I feel for them. I've been advocating on a number of national uh, interviews over the past few months uh, and with our, and particularly with our senators and, and Congress people around the country to advocate on behalf of our industry and to help those. And How long can you survive at about 70%? Well, for a while until my bank starts getting persnickety with me maybe, <laughs> but um, you know, we're, we're, we're paying, you know, some of our interest right now and, and we'll probably make a little principal payment here at the end of this year. But uh, I'm really concerned about January, February, March, uh, what yeah. will happen in those months. And, but again, I'm optimist. I'm an optimist. Always have been. Always mm-hmm. will be. And I, and I, you know, I think there'll be another stimulus package. You know, we would not be here today if it wasn't for PPP. I want to make sure that's clear. You know. Yeah. And myself and other, a lot of businesses didn't need it at the end of the day, but we wouldn't have been able to survive or reopen without it. So for us, it was the game changer for us. And you know, to get another round of uh, stimulus and PPP dollars to help really ensure that we get to the other side of this pandemic. Uh, and then continue to help our economy grow and, and continue to grow our business back to pre-pandemic levels uh, is crucial. And so I think, you know, most people agree that, you know, we're in K-shaped recovery right now where, you know, it's certain parts of the economy are, are thriving right now. But, you know, if you're in the travel business, you know, airline business, hotel mm-hmm. business, cruise ship business, restaurant, full service restaurant business, even parts of the restaurant business are doing really well, like pizza yeah, and pizza. so forth and fast casual are doing pretty good but you're in a full service restaurant industry you know it's pretty brutal so there's you know music business music venues i can go on and on down the list that, th- those folks really need the help and if we can get that stimulus package out uh second round and protect those industries and help get them back on the feet then i think we'll see a robust recovery in the u.s economy as we can as we hopefully will get past this covid crisis with, you know, therapeutics and vaccines as they come along. So, you know, and I think everybody kind of understands that and, and I'm hopeful and optimistic that'll be the case. Uh, our government will come through eventually and, and support those uh, those businesses that really need it uh, going forward. The first round of, of PPP, were you able to meet the the forgiveness yeah. thresholds? Yeah. And, and relatively easily, Dan, because well, first of all, because of the changes the government made to the PPP yeah. forgiveness at the end of the day, which was great which was appropriate, I think. Uh, secondly, the reason we're in better shape than others on that forgiveness is because we actually would have qualified for $25 million because of the size of our business, mm-hmm. but the cap was 10 million. So, you know, we still had a tremendous amount of labor and, and expenses and rents and everything else that uh, made us get over that hurdle for the forgiveness fairly easily because of our size. 
So it was, on one hand, we didn't get as much as we would like because of the cap, but on the other hand, we got it all forgiven because of the cap. So it, it, it was a double-edged sword there for us. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you mentioned if some- If we would've gotten that full yeah. 25 million, for example, I don't know that we would've gotten all of it forgiven at that point. Yeah. So that's my point. Gotcha. You mentioned some geographic differences, but um, but you also have, even though you you are you are full service uh, across the board, you have um you know kind of different concepts, particularly here in Columbus, but uh, you know in some other markets as well. Um, what's maybe worked better, or some maybe standing out a little better than others? I guess what's what's challenged, what's doing well, if anything, you know. Well, I mean, no, it, it is. Um, what's interesting is you know. And, you know, I'm quote a restaurant professional, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I joke, I said, yeah, eight or nine times out of 10, I think the ball's going to go right. It goes right. But one or two times out of 10, it goes left on me, you know, yeah. but uh, the one thing COVID has taught us is we just don't really know, you know, yeah. and uh, been a lot of curveballs and surprises along the way. But I remember vividly in the, in the beginning of COVID when we were uh, getting ready to re reopen and I was very, very scared of our Ocean Prime brand. You know, that's our national brand. That's our mm -hmm. flagship. That's our high-end, full-service, fine-dining restaurant. And that restaurant brand relies heavily on business travel, yeah. conventions, uh, corporate meetings, entertainment, dining entertainment, et cetera, and hotel traffic and, and so forth. Well, all my, almost all that was eviscerated in yeah. COVID. And I thought uh, Ocean Prime was going to be an albatross Kind of hanging around our neck it turned out to be just the opposite it's actually performed better than our our specialty brands mm -hmm. because people use it uh for you know entertainment and celebrations and family celebrations and so forth and we like to say you know we've learned to say well we're tonight's entertainment there is not yeah other choices to go to a sporting event or travel or, or whatever and so and people want to release and they want to get out and, and kind of celebrate and, and kind of live a little. And so uh, Ocean Prime has actually outperformed all of our specialty restaurants and really helped keep us afloat along the way. So that, that's been the surprising piece. The restaurants in the urban markets are the ones that are most difficult where, mm -hmm. for example, in Columbus, you know, our short north restaurants are running maybe 50% in aggregate above or at last year's sales. So Whereas we might in some of our suburban restaurants uh, be doing uh, much better than that and even better than that, much better than that in our Ocean mm -hmm. Prime brand. So again, it, you know, when you talk about the full service restaurant industry and, and yes, there are a lot of restaurants hurting, but a lot of it depends on their locale, you know, where they are, you know, what they are and so forth. And again, we're, we're fortunate to be so diverse that it gives us a little bit of buoyancy, if you will, where others may not be so lucky be just simply because of their geographic location. I think rural restaurants are doing better mm -hmm. uh, than, you know, urban restaurants also because there's less effect of the pandemic in, in the rural areas. So we hear stories of, you know, some of our outlying restaurants in rural areas doing very well, back to 100% of sales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Some of our Florida restaurants are, you know, doing 90, 95% of pre-COVID sales. And yeah. It's just a little looser down there than it is here. So anyways, that's really the answer to that question. It just depends on, again, I, I reiterate, I just feel so fortunate to even be in a position where we're at, to where we're, you know, our people are back to work. We, we didn't really, uh, you know, we have about a thousand probably hourly associates mm -hmm. that aren't back to work yet. 
uh, just because we don't have the business for them or they, you know, some of them chose to other, you know, go work for Amazon or do whatever, you know, as far as our management staff and our home office team and so forth, we've hired back 98% of our people. And even though we may not have needed to, to me, it was the right thing to do to, I wanted to get our people back. And that's part of what the PPP was for is to help get as many jobs back as we could. And so we, we, you know, felt it was important to walk that line and, you know, a lot of companies said, you know, listen, we're going to lay off 20, 30% of our people and, and shed jobs and so forth. We just didn't want to do that particularly for our, uh, we didn't do it at all. I mean, yeah. really for our salaried and management positions and, you know, our hourly positions, we still today, even though we have, have we're a thousand associates below our, well, we were pre-pandemic, we still have a tough time today hiring and fulfilling our hourly positions. So yeah. it's not like we haven't brought anybody back that would really want to come back. We're still, you know, we're still in a tough labor market, believe it or not. Yeah. Economy. You know, the heart of so much of, you, of, of what you do is, is customer service. The, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, yes, yes is the answer. What's the, sure. uh, what's the question? How has, has that been challenged? Has that philosophy been challenged in the last uh, seven months? I guess, how are, how are customers? Are they, have they been okay? Have they been tough to deal with? I guess, uh, have you had any new learnings on that front? Well, in the beginning, when we first reopened, our guests were extremely gracious, tipping our people really well and so forth. And they were glad to be back. And, and really, they knew how, how much the, our people had suffered when they were closed and so forth. So, you know, another remarkable thing is we did our associate relief program and we sold mm-hmm. over $600,000 of gifts. I guess gave all that money to our people. And so the guests have been really, really good about it. And our company culture and values is, you know, number one is our associates come first. And, and, and we look at that, you know, by taking care of our associates, our associates take care of our, our guests and our guests take care of our company. So I look at it as a triangular relationship. Mm-hmm. And, but the safety uh, of our guests and the safety of our people in the restaurants is paramount to us. We stood up a 10 person COVID task force internally mm-hmm. in our company. And uh, those folks, you know, were working minimum of 30 hours a week in addition to their or, or their day jobs, understanding and establishing our COVID protocols and sanitation procedures and so forth. We worked in conjunction with the Cleveland Clinic and got their endorsements on everything we were doing and, and, and their advice. And it's just been important to us. It's no different than food safety, you know, or anything else that, uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves in. Uh, some of the great lengths we do, you know, so we have our restaurants you know, are inspected three or four times a year by local health departments. Mm-hmm. We hire an outside firm to inspect our restaurants another three or four times a year. And we, we gauge all those you know, responses and making sure that uh, uh, we run a neat, tidy ship and a very safe ship. And, and so with COVID, that was just a natural extension of our attitude and the way we operate and, and what we do with COVID. And, you know, I, I've told our people all along through this, our company's been built on its culture and values for the past 27 years. And, you know, we don't, you know, when times get tough, that's not, you don't throw your culture and values out the window. That's where you lean on the hardest and, yeah. and embrace them the most. And they're the, the foundation that gets you through everything. And so now that's really the way we've treated it coming through this uh, here and taking care of our people. We paid our people's health care while we were shut down, those things. And, and we didn't want anybody, you know, we want to take care of everybody. So even today, we just have spent quite a bit of money. Our process will be done next week or maybe the week after we're about halfway done. But we there's new technology that's out 
on our air filtration systems called iWave that we put in and, you know, very expensive, but it removes 99.5% of all the airborne pathogens, including COVID, pollen, flu viruses, cold viruses uh, that are normally in the air, particularly in the inside, removes 99.5% of that. And it uh, really mimics and recreates the outside air environment that you have. And we keep the airflow, even though with the increased filters and the ionization of, of these, uh, the way they work. And that's really a, a, th a thing that we decided to put into it, not just for COVID, but mm -hmm. post-COVID. You know, uh, post-COVID, the air inside our restaurants is going to be clean and it's, it's uh, like an airplane. It's, they've been, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it's healthy. It's, it's essentially like being out in the fresh air and, and out in the outside. So, so even with post-COVID, it'll help again with pollen and flu virus and cold virus and everything else and just keep our people and our guests uh, as healthy as we possibly can. I don't want to get uh, too too in the, the weeds on the technical part of that because uh, frankly I don't know that I fully understand it. But <laughs> but um, how how did you how did you come to to this solution? Are there are there a ton of options out there on the market for this type of of filtration? Yeah, now because, you're getting uh, over my pay grade a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kind of curious because this 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 strikes me as something that like hey this is a problem people are trying to address now that you didn't necessarily think about before, right? Yeah. Well, really, our 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 construction department. You know, those folks, those guys deal with HVAC yeah. uh, uh, all the time. And our senior VP of store planning and purchasing, uh, uh, they really shepherded this project. And, and we, we looked, we'd heard about some new technologies and there's various ones out there. And uh, they did their homework. This isn't the cheapest, but we felt it was the best. And, yeah. and that's what we, we went with. You know, it's new technology. It wasn't here a year ago or two years yeah. ago or three years ago, or at least it's new in the commercial applications like restaurants. So... Um, again, I, we've been working on it for probably two months now, trying mm -hmm. to figure out, trying to understand, you know, the, the true cost and, and the implementation. It's not just the install cost either. It's, you know, we're now using state-of-the-art filters and, and, and even changing those filters even more mm -hmm. so now. So with the new system, because they, because they trap and catch so much of the, of the airborne particles, you have to change them even more often. So they're, they're more expensive and they need more frequent changes to maintain the optimum environment. So it's not just the initial cost, uh, but it's the ongoing cost that was an issue. But we, you know, again, we made the decision that we felt like, you know, it was the right thing to do. I guess mm -hmm. it's just along the same lines as, you know, no one says we have to pay to have our restaurants inspected, you know, doing health inspections by a third party another four times a year, in addition to our normal health inspections from the state. And so, it's that it's along that same lines that we're just doing what we can to lead in this business and and uh, and do the best we possibly can for our constituencies. That message to consumers has got to be more important than ever. That you know, you know, this is a place you can trust. This is a place that uh, is reliable, not just food, but from service and, and now a safety standpoint as well. Right. Yeah, I'm more important than ever. But again, we would have done it regardless if if. Uh, you know, if nobody heard about it, you know, it's just, it's, it's the right thing to do. Switching gears to, to, you know, redevelopment and, and development. I know uh, Cap City uh, in Gahanna is going through renovation now, but Dairy, I know is, is still out there. What's in the pipeline in terms of projects and, and, you know, have you hit, have you hit pause on anything that was, you know, maybe in the works? Well, actually, you know, we had hit pause this year before COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. which was, again, another blessing in disguise. And I'll share with you the example. 
in April of last year in 19, we had three restaurants open. We were open in Chicago, Del Mar, and Lincoln Social. So if this COVID hit in March of 2020 or 2019 versus 2020, we would have been in deep doo you know, yeah. you know, these restaurants coming open and, and then being shut down and all the bills to pay for all those and everything else would have hurt us pretty significantly. So we had just come off a lot of capital expansion. So we had consciously, unbeknownst to us, COVID was coming. We just consciously yeah. said we're going to slow down and, and, and not do any development this year. So we had one restaurant in the pipeline for development this year. And that actually got moved to October of next year because... Mm-hmm of the landlords doing it, not because of ours, which again, even was a, a lucky break for us. Um, they didn't have the zoning property for us to build a restaurant this year, open it there this year. So we had to defer it for a year. And so that worked out to our advantage, not having that capital outlay. So that'll open next next fall. That's a new Del Mar in Naples. Uh, so we're under lease to do that. Uh, you mentioned Bud Dairy. Bud Dairy is built. <laughs> Uh, we've already spent the money on it. It's done. Uh, it's ready to go. It's been permitted. You know, our, our wonderful chef partners are on board mm-hmm. and it's sitting there. I mean, it has health inspections, everything yeah. it's sitting there ready to go, but that's designed to have 500 people, at, you know, close yeah. contact. And so unfortunately we just can't open it. And yeah. so it's probably going to be, you know, hopefully next spring, late spring, maybe summer. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get it open as soon as we can, but so that's not really a future I mean, it's a future project, but we've already paid it's for it. Done. <laughs> yeah, it's done. It's just a matter yeah. of getting it open. Uh, and we're really excited about it because it's unbelievable space. And it's yeah. uh, really dynamic. And I think it's going to be great for the city. So we're really excited about that one. We are planning on reopening the Harvey and Ed space mm-hmm. down in the short north as a new uh, Mexican concept called mm-hmm. El Segundo. Uh, that's scheduled right now uh, to open by Cinco de Mayo. We won't make a final decision on that to start it until we get into Christmas right around there and see how COVID's doing and yeah, and just see how these five questions I referred to earlier are doing um, and the clarity on that before we start construction and start spending those dollars and making sure we have those dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's really about it. We've got a deal in Kansas City we're working on, mm-hmm. an Ocean Prime and a, 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 and a brand new office building in Kansas City and the, and the 14th floor will be... Uh, called Prime Social, um, but that is a, uh, a management deal where, you know, the landlord's putting the money and developing that. We take a management fee and we're doing yeah. it that way. So it's not cash out of our pocket, for, for instance. So we, we've got very little, we've got a fair amount of development, I guess, or restaurants opening next year, but very little cash out of our pocket on the same time. Uh, our, even our restaurant, Del Mar, uh, down in Naples, we're going to do a joint venture with some partners yeah. down there on that. So trying to keep, you know, the cash outlay out of our pocket to a bare minimum because we don't have any, mm-hmm. you know, don't have a lot to go around and and uh, trying to proceed gingerly here. But getting back into the development of restaurants, you know, that's uh, for us is first and foremost, we do it internally for our people. You know, this is a restaurant company built by its people for yeah. its people and, you know, the opportunities for them to grow their careers and continue on with that. And then, and then secondly, it's for our economy and for our country, you know, it's imperative that not only do these businesses survive, but they're able to start to grow again. And, yeah. and, you know, growth is what, you know, runs our economy and what, you know, so that's why I go back to that PPP and I go back to, it's important to not just the human factor of trying to keep as many businesses mm-hmm. afloat as we possibly can and people's lives and, and so forth. It has so been so devastated by this to, 
not only keep them afloat, but also give them the opportunity to be able to grow again at some point in time. So I can't, I can't speak to that enough. I can't, you know, it's just, it's just one of the main thrusts I have is, is helping our industry get back on its feet. El Segundo, um, I remember hearing rumors that uh, you guys are working on something, uh, uh, you know, Mexican related. Are you able to share any other details yet about um, what you're going to be doing in that space or just, just the broad concept that's going to be Mexican? Well, no, I, the, it's not that I'm, I want to keep it close to the best or anything. Yeah, like yeah. That, that's, that's not it at all. The best way I could describe El Segundo would be, you know, a Pearl or Marcella's version of Mexican. Okay. It's along those lines. It's not yeah. like local cantina or... Um, uh, oh, what's one Condado. across the street? Condados or yeah. what's one across the street? Oh, uh, uh, Bakersfield. Bakersfield. It's yeah. not at that level. Just imagine going into a Pearl, that kind of finish, that kind yeah. of level, or Marcellos, that kind of level of food, but Mexican. And it'll be. It's going to be a fun place. We're pretty yeah. excited about it. But uh, all of our preliminary mini development work has just been pretty cool, pretty neat. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. But uh, you know, we got to make sure we are able to do it and. You know, we're going to make sure we're able to take care of our people and take care of our bank and, and do those things before we get into spending a bunch of money on development or, or any money forward development. So gotcha. um, I'm just walking that fine line right now uh, to determine that. So we'll make a final decision. You know, if we don't do it in May, you know, we'll just yeah. maybe start it and get it open in July or yeah. September. You know, we'll just kind of push it down down range if, if we need, need be before we spend those capital dollars to reopen it. Can you think of anything I haven't asked you about? Again, just wanted to, to do a uh, check-in and, and see how you're feeling about business and what you see out there in the world. Can you think of anything I haven't asked? Well, one of the things that's, it may or may, it's not really news, it's just commentary, <laughs> is that uh, one of the silver linings of this pandemic has been our people and the, the camaraderie and the teamwork with our company. And, you know, everybody knows it's all hands on deck. Everybody knows their individual survival depends on the survival of the business and survival of their teammates and, and so forth. So I've never, you know, we, we've always enjoyed great esprit de corps and camaraderie mm -hmm. and teamwork in our company, but it is up to a whole new level uh, that I've never seen before. And that's been kind of neat to see, you know, how our people are have grown closer to each other. We, we do, uh, I mean, we've done, you know, hundreds of Zoom calls. Communication has been key through this whole thing and our people knew all the way along how we're doing i shared with them you know this i call it transparency and leadership that was vitally important through this i share with them all the way through you know all the way down to the employee level the hourly level you know we're i want them to know that we're going to be around and we're not going to they're not going to come to work and the doors are locked i share with them how we're doing financially you know where our break-even point is what you know what do we need to do and where do we need to get to and you know, we asked our people to take some pay cuts in the beginning and, you know, we asked sacrifice from everybody, you know, and cut a lot of our expenses. But, you know, my whole theory was, and always had, you know, listen, we'll have everybody share the load so we can bring everybody back and we can take care of everybody. Not, like I said, some, some companies just cut 20% of their people yeah. or 30% of the people and say goodbye. And I didn't want to do that. So it's been a great exercise in leadership and great exercise in, in camaraderie and teamwork and our company is closer than ever. I think they're more proud than ever of our company, you know, and what we've done and, and we've been able to achieve. And, and I think that everybody's proud of our advocacy work uh, for our industry. And, you know, even with uh, COVID, one of the things, if you remember back in the very beginning of COVID, you know, restaurants were shutting down, including ours, you know, mm -hmm. and we had an outbreak. And 
and we started to talk and again we talked to cleveland clinic more and, and they, they you know said, listen we're not closing down our nurses are getting sick with COVID. our doc everybody you know it's here it's around us we're not going to close down because someone yeah. gets sick and 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 I, we i realized how hard you know our COVID task force and how much time that was consuming for them i said I couldn't imagine being a one-unit restaurant operator trying to navigate through this. And so that's why I called up John Barker mm -hmm. uh, from Ohio Restaurant Association and said, let's do a webinar for, you know, these restaurants out there. And we'll put our people in there that, you know, have done the work with the COVID and, and share what we've learned and shared our experience and, and try to help out those smaller operators. And I think we had 200 operators on that call to, to help them with their COVID protocols also and understanding how to deal with it. So, um, that, that uh, gives me a lot of comfort uh, to get through it. And I'll say one final thing is I, I had a call with 325 of our managers, three-hour call, Zoom call with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, as I was reflecting back on the past seven months, I said, it's really like our company, to use the analogy, got in a major auto accident uh, in March. And we were in intensive care. We had a number of surgeries. And uh, we were in the ICU for several weeks. And and then in the hospital for much longer and, and we were worried what you know whether we're going to die or not you know we're going to make it are we going to live and and i said now we're out of the hospital and we know we're going to live we know we're going to survive however we still have several more months of physical therapy ahead of us we can't uh, yeah. go out and run right now uh but we know we don't think we're going to die and, and and we're just going to continue to heal and and so forth and like i said what falls in the face of that is you know, these increasing cases right now and what's going to happen with the pandemic and, and where do we go? And again, I'm optimistic, you know, we will get behind this or get ahead of this at some point in time, but I think we have a little more to go and it's not, uh, but I hope the, and I think the next, uh, what has been seven months since we've been in this so far, mm -hmm. the next seven or eight months, I would like to think we're at the halfway point and I would like to think that the next seven or eight months will not be near as bad, near as difficult as the first seven or eight months were, but uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic about that. But on the same token, uh, we just have to kind of see where we're going to go and get those five questions answered to, to really before we have a clear view of the future. Absolutely. Cameron, thank you very much for giving me uh, uh, some time of your afternoon here. Uh, if I think of any, anything else, I will let you know, but otherwise, um, uh, enjoy uh, Trick or Treat. Okay. Thanks, Dan. You too. <laughs> Happy to help. Will do. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take